Gather your friends and turn up the sound because it's time for Roadworthy Drive, America's premier news and technology talk show, hosted by Ken, Jack, and Sasha of the Roadworthy Drive crew. And now, here's the Roadworthy Drive ringmaster, Ken Chester. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Welcome to Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester, together with Sasha Little and Jack DeLeon. We are the Roadworthy Drive crew. Glad you could be with us. This week, as always, we have plenty of technology to discuss and debate. This hour, we review the 2018 Consumer Reports Automotive Reliability Report. There are some surprises. Universal Basic Mobility, a right or a privilege. And finally, the nation's automakers take the electric fight to the factory floor. We explain all that and more in a few minutes. But first, if you want to add your voice to the conversation, it's easy. Call or text the Roadworthy Driveline at 872-222-9793. That number is good anytime. If you would rather email, the address is roadworthydrive.com. Either way gets you connected to me and the rest of the Roadworthy Drive crew. Speaking of the crew, please welcome my friend and Roadworthy Drive executive producer, the man with the hands on the controls and the resident, the resident curmudgeon, Jack DeLeon. Holding things down at mic two is the always opinionated, sometimes caffeinated morning ray of sunshine on a cloudy day, our very own Sasha Little. Howdy, my peoples. Hi, Ken. Uh, how are we all doing? We are getting adjusted in our new studios and... Trying to get things worked out. Yep, we're going to make it work. Okay, Ken, okay. what is in the parts bin this week? Well, let's see. What do we got here? Um, this is a little late, uh, but it's still worth having this conversation. Um, the US EPA moves to permit year-round sales of E15 gasoline. Now, for those of you who may not be in the Midwest, um, E15 is basically a blend of 85% regular unleaded gasoline and 15% ethanol. Uh, you might be... Uh, Familiar with what we used to, what we used to call E10, where back in the days, the old days, we used to call a gasol, yep. um, which has been around for a while. The challenge with E15 is it allows the it allows the use of more ethanol, which would be good for farmers. However, it's not an issue. Um, not not so much an issue. It's not a case where every vehicle can run on it. Now, there's some conversation between. Whether or not it's 2001, 2006, and in some cases, uh, it may be like 2011 or later. So it's not consistent. Really? Yeah, really. Um, And in fact, uh, the retail association that handles this will even tell you that. So while it's good in one thing... Uh, in terms of renewable sources, less dependence on, um, you know, fossil fuels and things like that. Uh, there is an issue that you just can't put it into um, a regular tank for dispersal at a retail store. They've got to spend some money, and there's still not that many E15 compatible uh, gas pumps around the country. You know, all of that sounds so complicated when just give me the electric vehicle. Mm-hmm. Just the electric vehicle. Just, huh? just give me the electric vehicle. And then we could say goodbye to all of these kind of regulations. Yeah, but here's the thing. Yes, sir. If you are a farmer growing corn, uh-huh. like you are in our state, which we are, by the way, the number one producer of corn in, 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 in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, this means something. 
Now, it's ironic to mention that while it's good for some, and they expect this to start as early as next year, uh, not everybody's on board. Um, for example, in 2011, the EPA made it illegal to use E15 fuel in motor vehicles made before 2001. Right. Motorcycles, boats, and other gasoline-powered equipment like lawnmowers and things like mm -hmm. that. You couldn't yep. use it. Yep. And up till now, uh, it was seasonal. There was some issue about yep. pollution. Now it's going to be year-round. Would you believe that SEMA mm -hmm. is actually opposed to the expansion of E15? You're I would kidding. absolutely mm -hmm. believe that. Uh, because they believe, this is SEMA now, that in higher concentrations, uh, like E15, it could cause metal corrosion, dissolve certain plastics and rubbers in automobiles that were not constructed with ethanol-resistant materials. Mm -hmm. Again, I say... E15 uh, would be good for the Midwest, but you're going to need to check your owner's manual. You might need to check with your dealers to find out if your vehicle specifically, even if it was made after 2001, can run E15. Yep. Because it is not it is not a blanket. Anything beyond this date can run it. Exactly. So, and I think that they bring up a very valid point. So that is one thing that uh, I wanted to I wanted to share. Right. And uh, do that now. Um, this is a note to Bob Lutz, <laughs> and I'm going to say, go. I told you so. Okay. And it starts with, I Tesla soars after surprise profit. Oh, you know, the company that- Everyone had, was laughing at? That, that was doomed, couldn't make any money. Doomed to fail. That has yeah. two, yeah. Yeah, yeah I the, remember that. Yeah, they made a profit second quarter. What? Profit. Um, How much? Uh, according to this, let's see, uh, cash flow, $312 million. Um, now, let me guess. This is also the same company that outsold, yes. uh, what was it, five luxury yes. brands yes. last quarter? Yes. The one that everybody was laughing at. Yes. The underdog. Yes. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Uh, and I'm going to throw this in. Uh, there was some question about Model 3 reservation. There was. Uh, less than 20% of those, four, now 455000 in mm. advance at $1,000 a pop. Yep. Only 20% of them. Uh, that were reported as of October uh, 2017, only 20% of those were canceled. I wish I could remember where I saw this. Okay. But if I remember correctly, somebody, I think it's either the SEC or the FBI, is investigating Elon Musk. That's already, yeah, it, they were investigating him over a, a tweet, and then that's already been solved. No, no, no. I'm talking about when it came to the reservations. Okay. Oh, I, I haven't. Know. I haven't seen that. Okay. Um, I'll see if I, I can go back and find it I will it again. tell you this: they're not quite building five thousand Model Threes a week like he promised, but they're building roughly forty three hundred. And that forty three hundred in the mix that they've got was enough to swing them to profit. Right. So they're getting it done. And and yeah, and we. I'm gonna my hands up. I'm gonna admit I was one of those that had some uh, concerns that he could pull it off. But you know what? Got to give the man props when he pulls it off. Mm -hmm. And I'm giving the man props. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, and there was some question of whether or not Tesla was going to need to borrow money. Mm -hmm. They ended the second quarter with $3.5 billion in cash. Okay. With a B. With, with a B. And that doesn't count the new stuff they've got in development. Um, their Model Y, which is another SUV. The $200,000 Roadster that we talked about a few months ago. And, of course, that heavy-duty electric truck that they're committed to building. Right. So if they're getting this done now, if he can pull this off, 
with these other products coming to market, there ain't no telling where Tesla might be in a year from now. And that's pretty awesome considering the amount of money it takes to bring vehicles to market and actually sell them. I am still trying to figure out where is he going to build all of these plants he's going to need, because you're going to need a separate plant for the uh, semi-truck, aren't you? Oh, yeah. oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, we know that he has got land and he's broke ground to build a factory in China. We know that, and we've actually reported on that here. Um, could he expand out at his gigafactory for maybe the uh, heavy-duty truck? Mm, that's, where I, that's where I'd put it. Right. Because and I wouldn't want to be moving the, the size truck. of those motors. No. You're talking about the semi. The semi. Okay, so I would actually vote strongly in that that he puts it right there next to the Gigafactory. But again, I haven't heard anything no. about expanding that factory. In fact, there was news that he just finished it. Well, actually, it's not done. He's still building it. So maybe they just finished a section. I yeah, remember something. Yeah, they probably something. finished a section. My understanding is that plant is still being built. Even well, I mean, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, have you seen the plans yeah, he wants I to put actually, in there? I actually have. Yeah, It's massive. Yes. And that's the whole point. Right. That... When you get down to it, it would to me it would make most sense if you're going to build a semi factory yep. to make the transportation of those traction motors. Yeah, I wouldn't want to transport those too far. I know that. So right. I would build that out in the desert, and then you've got all the land you need. Yep, you've got your freight costs under control. Yep, and then it's like okay, we build the traction motors here, we put them on a line, we take them over there, boom, put them in the truck, good to go. Yep, bada bing, bada boom. Yes, yes, yes. So. Um, the naysayers, wrong. Booyah. But I mean, Tesla's known for being surprising, so we don't know what he's possibly got in his pocket. Don't you mean Elon Musk is always a surprise? <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. I love Elon. I yeah, just... cost him $20 million, uh -huh. but yes, he is. You know what? And he said he don't regret it. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> and he's still taunting the SEC, which is not right? Elon, dude, not right? a good idea. Yeah. Just just saying. So wanted to go on record. They made a profit. It's a thing. Woot, woot. It happened. Mm -hmm. So hats off to me, Elon Musk. We be good. Now, coming up. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the 2018 Consumer Reports Reliability Report. There are some surprises. You're going to want to stay tuned. such thing as a new small Chrysler. No junior editions bear the Chrysler name, but there is a new lower-priced Chrysler, the Newport. The Newport's a full-size Chrysler in looks, in room, in ride and performance, in everything but price. Newport has Chrysler's full-size unibody, rattle and rust resistant, the only single unit construction in its price class. Newport has Chrysler's full-size torsion air suspension, smoother, quieter, easier handling, and a full-size Chrysler V8 engine that runs like a watch on regular gasoline. Newport has plenty of full-size room inside for a man to relax in. Drive it, 
price it. It's now so easy to move up to Newport, the new full-size Chrysler in a new lower price range. If you're just joining us, you're tuned to the Roadworthy Drive. Thanks for listening. I'm Ken Chester, and along with Jack and Sasha, we're better known as the Roadworthy Drive crew. During this segment, we're taking a look at the 2018 Automotive Reliability Report issued by Consumer Reports. Consumer Reports, if you don't know, is a non-profit research organization. They don't take ads from anybody, and they're usually pretty aggressive about companies using their results in advertising. <laughs> Unlike J.D. Power and Associates, but don't get me started. Um, some surprises here. We're going to start with uh, their ranking based on reliability, top 10 brands, and mm. top Really not surprised. Number one, Lexus, Toyota, Mazda, Subaru, Kia, Infiniti, Audi, BMW. Number nine is Mini. And number 10 of the top 10 is Hyundai. You know, first off, let me just clarify, because we've talked about how awards, quote unquote, work. Um, is this something that is for sale? No. So this is something that is actual, factual. These they, are not like... They do a test. They actually test these vehicles. In this case, uh, this is the result of their subscribers sending in surveys that cover 17 different points of the vehicle. Okay. And so you're saying my favorite, um, Hyundai. Yes. Came in 10th? Uh, on the top 10. Okay. Now, where did GM, Ford, or Chrysler... You really up? wanted to ask me that? Yes, I did. Okay. Um, <clears throat> bottom 10 by reliability, <laughs> Lincoln, Dodge, Jeep, Chevrolet, Chrysler, GMC, Ram, uh, Tesla. No, that ain't, no, bias. Cadillac, no, and Volvo. No. Yeah, actually. No, no sir. No, yeah. that is a fake, that is alternative yeah. facts right there. No. It's not a thing. No. Stop it. No, that no. is actually true. No. Uh, Jack, by the way, mm -hmm. your Ford came in. As a brand, number 18. Yes. Number 19, the middle nine. Uh, number 19, well, I'll read the middle nine. Number wow. 11 was Porsche, Genesis, Acura. Number 14 was Nissan, 15 Honda, Volkswagen, Mercedes-Benz, Ford, and Buick. Now, you're telling me the Hyundai is actually seven points higher, according to this survey, mm -hmm. than Mercedes-Benz. Yes. I believe that because here's the other thing. While that might be true, okay, how many people are buying a Hyundai as opposed to how many people are buying a Mercedes Benz? Now, if you're telling me that they sent out the exact same a number, uh, bless you, the exact same number of surveys. So let's say they sent out 350 to Ford, 350 to Hyundai, 350 yeah. to Mercedes. <laughs> but that's probably not how it and, went. And, and that's cute because it's in the hundreds of thousands. But of you surveys. know what I'm saying? If they sent out the same amount of surveys per brand name, which they probably didn't, it's kind of one of those like Labrador retrievers versus Afghan dogs. Well, but the thing is, you cannot do that and come up with an accurate survey. Thank you. That's right. You have to be able to send out a generic survey to everyone that everyone gets the same survey and then you can turn around and make your case. Right. But I think that you still need to take that by the same amount of people. Like you can't ha audition 24,000 Ford owners versus 5,000 Hyundai. Okay. Do you Here see what I'm saying? Their list of recommended vehicles is determined in part by how the vehicles perform in Consumer Reports' exclusive annual reliability survey. They collected data from Consumer Reports members on more than 500,000 vehicles. Um, now, 
by the same token, let, let's get into the one that I knew Sasha would get excited about. Um, their direct quote. Uh-huh. The Model S sedan has dropped below average with suspension problems and other issues that included the extending door handle. Now, the first year Model 3 had average reliability, which the Model X SUV pretty much stayed worse than average, which is noted, and I need to finish, Sasha. They have said, because they went back, that uh, because of all the things that Tesla has added to the car, mm-hmm. that usually when manufacturers change a vehicle significantly, mm-hmm. as the Model S has continued to evolve, mm-hmm. usually the first year or two, they have problems. It is not unique to Tesla. Every manufacturer has that situation. They've watched them be at the top of the world, got knocked off. Now, Consumer Reports will also tell you that the Model S, against its peers, still rates very high, but these problems knocked it down, which means probably by 2018, 2019, when they do it again, that it will be back up on top as they get it together. So it's not static. In other words, it's not just because uh, one year is every year. Okay, because has anybody brought up the wingbacks on the X yet? That is one of the major problems they're having, which keeps it worse than average. Yep. Um, Now, to talk about a few cars that have actually improved quite a bit, uh, they talked about two cars actually improved enough to gain a recommendation, the Cadillac XTS, which has been in production a while, Mm -hmm. and the Subaru Impressa, which had not been. Um, The thing that blew my mind was the following... Okay, let me start with the good news real quick. Newly recommended models with improved reliability. This is Consumer Reports. Cadillac XTS, Chevrolet Cruze, Chevy Suburban, Chrysler 300, Dodge Charger, Infiniti QX60, Lincoln Continental, Mazda CX-9, Mazda MX-5 Miata, Mini Cooper, Mini Cooper Countryman, Nissan Armada, Nissan Maxima, Subaru Impressa, Volkswagen Golf, and Volkswagen Tiguan. All improved enough to get a recommendation. The ones that didn't, that actually fell off the list, and I'm just going to highlight a few, Chrysler Pacifica, Ford Fusion, Honda Clarity. And I had a question about this, and it didn't differentiate because there are three different models. Mm -hmm. Hybrid, pure electric, and then there's a plug-in electric. And it didn't mention if there was a differentiation between them. So I wondered about that. The one that blew me away, that fell off the uh, list... The Honda Odyssey minivan. What? Yeah. Much worse than average reliability with problems including infotainment, display freezing, and losing all functionality, power sliding doors that won't close. Oh. Yeah. That could be an issue. According to the automaker, they fixed it. (coughs) Excuse me. Via over-the-air software update, something I didn't know Honda was doing. Can be downloaded by the customer using any Wi-Fi connection. Uh, so there's that issue. Uh, the Lincoln MKZ, uh, again, Ford Fusion, Lincoln MKZ are twins. Um, and it was the infotainment system. Sync 3 was the problem. With yeah, freezing ex- and dropping off and acting all kinds of crazy. I, I experienced some issues with the infotainment system in our newest car. Yeah. Before we go to the break, Mazda gained the most as a brand. Mm. And Buick dropped the most as a brand. Not surprising. So there you go. Um, And just to give you an idea. Now, coming up, universal basic mobility. Do people have a right to affordable transportation? We discuss.
facts, real opinions, real talk. You are listening to Roadworthy Drive. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. You're listening to Roadworthy Drive, America's premier mobility news and technology talk show. I'm Ken, and along with Jack and Sasha, we are the Roadworthy Drive crew. Thank you for riding along. For those of you who want to learn more about the show, visit our website. That's roadworthydrive.com. Listen to podcasts of previous shows, see video of our behind-the-scenes antics, and so much more. For those of you that dwell in the universe that is social media, be sure to like us on Facebook. We're also on Twitter and Instagram. Sasha keeps things light and lively during the week between shows with her informative, thought-provoking, and inspirational posts. See how she keeps the social in our social media. And now, for those of you who are truly mobile, you can also find us on Google Play. Universal Basic Mobility. Up till recently, I had never even heard of this thing. Not to be confused with Universal Basic Income. I would have had to take you out back to the woodshed for that one. Because I, because I, because I thought it would that universal basic mobility would have been the same thing as universal basic income. It is not, sir. Okay, it is not. Uh, it is a concept that is gaining traction with a, within the mobility mosaic. The question is: Is access to affordable transportation a right or a privilege? What do you think? Well, I think that given how they are arranging things in our society, it's becoming a right because employers. Um, most of the time are going to ask you, do you have reliable transportation? Yep. It's right there on the application. I don't know of an employer that does not ask that question now. So if you check no, guess who's not going to be employed? Employed. So, and then also what's affordable? Because right now you're only supposed to spend 40% of your income on living expenses, on like your house. Mm-hmm. A lot of these cars are now costing more than a house. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. You're assuming that you're talking a new car? That, you know, if you, if this is an issue for you, uh-huh. that you ain't even, yeah, a $1,000 car uh-huh. would be a major issue. And see, and see but with that $1,000 car, you might have spent $1,000 right up front, but that $1,000 car might have tranny issues after oh, you've, yeah. like, ran it 300 miles. Oh, yeah. Um, she that might car, have, 50, right? Right? Saying. That 1,000-mile car might only get 12 miles to the gallon. So now you're mm-hmm. forking over $200, $300 a month Easily. just in gas. Uh, oil changes. You know, all these things that Repairs. go into... Go ahead, Jack. No, Sasha, I'm going to say this, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here, okay? Right, right. No, no throwing things at the, at the <laughs> executive producer. And Ken steps away from the microphone. Right, right. If... You cannot afford transportation. Mm-hmm. Why are you not looking for a better paying job or a second job but, or a third job? Now, like I said, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Oh, no, I, right. I got this. No, come on. I, no, I got this. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. Okay. The problem is very simple. It's a catch-22, Jack. The catch-22 is in order to get a better paying job, I need transportation. Correct. If I can't, if I don't have reliable transportation, I, I mean, I want to need a check or two or three in to establish even to borrow the money to buy a better vehicle. Correct. And if you're only if you've only got a thousand dollar car, chances are you do not have the presentation for a higher paying job. 
a higher paying job like for somebody like me means longer commute. Longer commute means it's going to cost me more for at least the first couple months. I mean, you're talking more gas. You're talking more strain on your vehicle. And once I have that higher paying job or like you said, a second job. Um, again, now that's double the wear and tear on my already saying a prayer when I turn the key that my car actually starts. Understand so, that. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. And I get you, okay? I'm not saying that, that you know, you're, you're wrong here. Right. All I'm saying is it's a vicious little circle. Unless, again, you're somebody like me where both of my jobs are done at home. And I have worked from home for the last 10 years. Let me, let me throw this at you. Okay. Uh, first, universal basic mobility would be a system of partnerships and or policies that provide a minimum level of mobility to all members of society. Yep. An isolated static population is unhealthy, unproductive, and unhappy. And the other thing, in areas where commute is so long, it's hard for children to escape poverty. And in many cities with poor... Areas with poor mobility have high unemployment and low incomes. Chicken and the egg, just like you said earlier. So I would have to say yes. But this, and it kind of leads to something that, by the way, if you tune in for second hour, uh, we've got an exciting new segment that will deal with with what I'm about to say next, mm -hmm. uh, hosted by our very own... Ray of Sunshine. Which you have to understand, I came up with my idea for the Tech for Tech with Sasha segment before I saw what you were going to be writing about for hour one. I see. That's so this got. was not like, you know, a copycat. Now, wait no. a minute. Are you saying the two of you are on the same page? <laughs> don't, don't tell anybody. Ladies and gentlemen, the apocalypse is coming. <laughs> This particular organization, which is uh, trying to trying to promote uh, universal basic mobility, yep. says that they expect this in the United States to emerge from a new trend called mobility as a service. Mass. Yes. Is the transportation equivalent of Netflix. A monthly subscription fee gives you access to multiple mobility services on a single platform. And as I was reading this, it struck me. Mm-hmm. I've already experienced this. Yeah. 1970s Boston. In Boston, we had an organization known as the Metropolitan Massachusetts Bay Transportation Authority. Right. If you, the MBTA, otherwise known to and beloved as the T. Yes. You could, in the 70s, there were six different tickets, different prices, from A ticket to F ticket. And depending how much you paid, you had increasing access to all sorts of MBTA uh, transportation situations. If you bought the F ticket, which back then probably would have cost you almost 50 a month, you had access to everything from commuter rail to trackless trolley to everything. And we're talking within a 50-mile radius of the mm-hmm. city of Boston. Yeah. You could travel within 50 miles. Um, I think I had a uh, D ticket or E ticket because I didn't need the commuter rail. Well, and I mean, we have talked. $28 a month. We have talked in the past Mm -hmm. about what's going on in New York, where they are offering one price for Mm -hmm. everything Mm -hmm. because they're closing that rail. And if you want to understand what the future could look like, look at what they're doing in New York. I mean, you could give up. Or, or, Or Helsinki, Finland. (laughs) <laughs> it's a service called WIM, which yep. is mobility as a service. Yep. And it ranges from 50 bucks a month to 500 a month for the full Monty. Yep. 
And right now, they consider Helsinki, Finland, to be the number one city for mobility as a service right now. Okay. In, in the world. In part of this, are we talking about the fact that they're going to have, for lack of a better term, carts that you're going to be able to rent or, or pick up in one place, drop off in another? It depends on the community. It's a lot of different things. It's yeah. not just cars. It could be Uber. It could be public transportation. It could be car ride sharing. Yeah, it could it be could the be, scooter. I, it could be uh, peer sharing of yeah. cars. So all of that, actually, Jack. Uh, and that's the beauty about it. It's not one thing. It's a bunch of different things depending on your need to get from point A to point B. Now, last up. Ready or not, the automakers are getting serious about development, manufacturing, and sale of electric vehicles at scale. This means war, and the companies are bulking up. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. You are listening to Roadworthy Drive. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. This is the last segment for this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken, and along with Sasha and Jack, we are the Roadworthy Drive crew. Thank you for coming along for the ride. Now, before we tackle the last topic for this hour, programming note. Starting this week during hour number two, we're launching a brand new segment that I know you're going to enjoy. It's called Tech with Sasha, and we're going to turn her loose, God help us all, <laughs> to discuss a tech-important topic that's mostly of her choosing. Didn't we have this conversation in the pre-production meeting that we, I warned you about this? Yes, you did. And he, okay, now FYI, just a little bit of warning, I will take you out to the woods. Everybody wants to take me to the woods in. I right. don't understand. There's going to be weeds, wear high boots, you know, put on your insect repellent. We'll be fine. Okay. In other words, uh, if your station doesn't carry our number two of Roadworthy Drive, no worries. We will have it posted to our website, roadworthydrive.com, or if you're of the mobile situation, you can pick it up on Google Play. Trust me, you're going to want to check it out. So be sure to stay tuned. War on the factory floor. <laughs> Strong words for a major initiative by the nation's automakers. With China being the largest automotive market in the world overall, as well as the largest market for electric vehicles, there's plenty of upside by having the necessary economies of scale and production in order to compete. <laughs> and if you wait, you're going to miss it. And Chrysler. This, yeah. And missing this wave <laughs> could mean the end for your company. Automakers from General Motors to Toyota and even Volkswagen are retooling and investing with that in mind. Now, here's the deal. Up till now, the automakers, when designing and building electric cars, have, you know, set little batches and they built a little yep. batch over here or there. Yep. And they lost lots of money. Yes, they did. GM. Is put is actually changing the whole thing. They're going to dedicate an entire plant to mass produce these things um, at scale. Some of that's going to be simplification of the platform and how it's put together. But they expect automakers that are going to be successful building electric cars and making money from the first one, which is what Volkswagen said when they put theirs into production, that the first one off the line will be profitable. And the only way you do that is economies of scale, 
getting a commonality of parts and developing a system that will let you build volume. And the automakers want to repeat what Henry Ford did back in 1913. You realize, fun fact, when the Model T came out in 1908, mm-hmm. it was not interchangeable parts. Really? Model T's came out, they ran about 860 bucks. Yeah. Interchangeable parts and the assembly line was developed in 1913. The Ford Motor Company actually started by uh, one of their, they started on one line, their Magneto line, which generates electricity. They, they, they standardized that first. When it found out that would work, they expanded to the whole plant. The result, by 1920, the cost of a Model T fell, actually. Not the eight fifty per car in nineteen oh eight, but two hundred and sixty dollars a car by nineteen twenty. Wow. That is what economies of scale does for you. Right. The automakers today want to do the same thing. Why? I got one word for you. Just one. Tesla. China. Oh, yeah. That does not surprise me at all. Because they want to compete. As we said in the last segment, China is the largest market. In the world, and also the largest market for electric cars. Yeah. And if you're going to compete, you better get your prices in line. And the only way you're going to do that is to revamp your facilities to produce electric cars at scale, which means volume, and profit. Okay, but here in the United States, they've had a hard time making a profit off a car anyway for years and for always and forever. Because they never developed factories to build at scale. Electric cars were always a trade-off. They never spent the money to build a pure electric car platform. Okay. All right. The GM Bolt, the Chevy Bolt with a B? Yeah, right. Platform designed to ramp up to scale, not only to be electric, but to be autonomous. Autonomous, right. One plant. Yep. GM is getting ready to consolidate what what the pundits believe is GM's getting ready to consolidate this and uh, bet the farm. Mm-hmm. In one and plant. I think it's a solid, solid bet, to be honest. When you say one plant, you mean they're going to make all models in one plant? All their electric models. In one plant. In one plant. plant. Okay. That way you can get the economies of scale you need for engineering, manufacturing, design, um, and... Honestly, you're talking you're talking about uh, building a car rolling off the line, a finished car rolling off the line mm-hmm. every sixty seconds. Wow, that's wow. three hundred thousand vehicles a year. So let me understand this. They're thinking like maybe Monday, Tuesday making one car, Wednesday, Thursday making another car, or are they going to build all of these cars on the same platform the at magic the same time? That they're doing now for regular vehicles is the ability to literally build them in sequence um, on demand. In other words, you don't need to go to, okay, we're going to build two doors today and four doors tomorrow and okay. wagons the day after that. Uh-uh. Might be three two doors, a four door, a wagon, two wagons, a four door, a two door. Same because line. It's going by demand as soon as you order it via uh, your dealership. Which or has online. always been the way most manufacturers do it, except for one. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to mention them by name, but Are they we not? had to, they had to break that habit, and it cost them eight hundred million dollars when they did it. Wow! And that was almost forty years ago. Oh, yeah. No, it, it, it's a misnomer. Today, automakers rarely build. Now they don't have it quite as 
uh, fine-tuned as Tesla does. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're either going to build for dealer inventory where dealers ordered these cars right, or, or sold retail order. You know, they're not going to run the plant just to build cars, just to build cars. Them days have been over for 20, 30 years. All right. Uh, simply because it, you know, it got, they then had to give them away. There was a lot of issues. The dealers gamed the system. If I know you've got, uh, you know, 10,000 vehicles sitting in a parking lot and you're trying to get me to take them, then I'm going to make sure you put money on the hood so I can make more money selling them. Well, I think we all remember those photos that were circling on Facebook. Remember, Jack, where it showed like acres of acres of unsold brand new cars? Speaking of that, this week, I was going up a street in our town Mm -hmm. and at a place that used to be uh, a rental store. Okay. One of the dealers up north uh-huh. has their entire parking lot full of all new vehicles uh-huh. sitting there. Because yeah. they can't sell them. No, not, no, they got no room to put them on the well, dealership lot. Actually, oh, okay. actually depending, depending on the volume, dealers may order, as the factory says, we're going to give you X amount of money benefit if you buy this many. Yeah. And they might step up for that. Chrysler 200, anybody. Oh, Wow. Why, why are you hating? Because they basically tried to shove that down anybody who rocked into the door. Uh, this woman. <laughs> okay, people. <laughs> We've come to the end of the hour, for better or for worse. <laughs> Thanks for listening.